How many of you guys have not, well, how many of you guys have heard of communion or participated in communion at one point or another in your life? Most everybody. It's, uh, it's something that I've participated in hundreds of times um, growing up in church. And like Han said, I've, I've wanted to do it several times. We have wanted to do this several times. Um, but each time it came up, I was like, mm, I want to study it first. Like, I want to look into it. I want to understand, you know, about it. And, you know, you might say, well, what's there to understand? It's the body of Christ and blood, and we're just doing a remembrance of him. So when we do it, we remember Jesus. Yes, yes, that's definitely part of it. But there are some places that do it every week. There are some places that do it once a month, right? Several times a year. So why do we do that? Where does that come from? What, is it, what does it mean? What does what we're doing mean? And why do we do it? Uh, I wanted to look, at, look into that this morning. Um, this wraps up the fourth week of the feast. Turn with me to Genesis 1. Um, If you guys remember kind of something that has really been big for me in studying these feasts has been the change that I've seen as far as the role of Israel and the role of Gentiles and, and God's plan for all of mankind from the beginning. That has been the biggest change for me. Um, not feeling like we as Gentiles are kind of second rate or we were chosen second and that Israel was preferred, and we're like a stepson. But recognizing from the very beginning that this all had to do with the covenant that God had made with Adam. We're going to look into covenants today because that's what communion is about. Communion is about a covenant that was made. And when Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, he's talking very specifically about a specific act and remembering him through that act. So we're going to look into that this morning. We're going to start back at the beginning, and then by the end, just as the Bible does, we're going to bring it back around, and we're going to see that God fulfills His promises. So let's look at verse 26. This is God's covenant with Adam. If anybody ever asks you, if anybody ever wants to know what God's covenant was with Adam, this is where you find it. Genesis 1, 26-31. By the way, this is on you version, so if you have that, get it out. So, okay, so verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. 
fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. So did you catch it? Did you catch what the covenant was between God and Adam? That he would rule over the earth. That was the covenant that God made with Adam. He gave him everything in the earth to rule over. That was the covenant from the very beginning. Turn to Genesis 9. Anybody have a subtitle above 9? God's covenant with Noah. Okay, good. So this is a covenant. We saw the covenant with Adam. Now we're going to look into the covenant with Noah that he made. So Genesis 9. We're going to read 1 through 11. Then God blessed Noah and his son, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. You remember that language? The fear and dread of you will fall upon all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air. This was new. Upon every creature that moves along the ground and upon all the fish of the sea, they are given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves will be food for you. Just as I give you, just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. So it had changed. Before, he wasn't, there was no animosity between him and the animals. Now, with Noah, he's telling him to give you the animals to eat. But you must not eat meat that has its lifeblood still in it. And for you, your lifeblood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting from every animal. And from each man, too. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? I will demand an accounting from every animal. And from each man, too. I will demand an accounting for the life of his fellow man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made man. We saw that with Adam. As for you, be fruitful and increase in number. Multiply on the earth and increase it. Increase upon it. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you, and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be cut off by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. So God established his covenant with Noah to never again destroy the earth with a flood, right? Turn to Genesis 15. What does your title say about 15? God's covenant with Abram. Okay. And let's read here. This is God's covenant with Abram. So now we saw a covenant with Adam and a covenant with Noah. And now a covenant with Abram. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then, then he said, So shall your, your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. 
He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land, to take possession of it. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. The birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Now at this time, covenants like this, this was regular. The way that this covenant was done, the bird, the birds and the heifer and the goat and the ram, they were split in two, right? We've talked about this. And one person would pass through in between them, right? And then the other person that was part of the covenant would pass through them as well. And what it was is symbolic of whoever, it, whoever breaks this covenant, may we be, may that person be like the animals on this altar, right? That death would come to the one who broke the covenant. So at this point, Abram is setting up to have covenant with God. It's setting up to where both of them would walk through. Abram first, and then God would walk through first, however that would look. But this was the covenant that was being set up between them. Now let's keep reading. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Verse 13. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated four hundred years. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your fathers in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, To your descendants I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates, the land of the Canaanites, the Kenizzites, Cadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Rephites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. So what happened? Did Abram ever pass through the, for the covenant? Did Abram ever pass through the two altars? No. Only God passed through. God passed through that. In fact, there are other points where we can look and see. God says, I'll swear by my own name because there is no name greater than mine. In this, in this instance, God made the covenant with Abram, but he was the one who put himself in the position to need to die if it was not fulfilled. If the obligations of the covenant that was made were not fulfilled, he put himself in the position to die if that didn't happen. Turn to Exodus 6. said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they lived as aliens. 
Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Passover, when it was celebrated, part of it would be the drinking of four different cups of wine. Over the course of six hours, they would perform this celebration, this feast, and they would drink four different cups of wine at the feast. Each cup was symbolic of a part of this promise that we just read. To them, this was everything. This was a reminder. This was done in remembrance of God's deliverance for them as a people. The four different cups that we have and the four different promises, did you spot them? Look in verse 6. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. This first cup is called the cup of sanctification that they drink from. And the promise that's associated with that cup is, I will bring you out. The second cup that they drink, you keep reading, I will free you from being slaves to them. This is the cup of plagues, or the cup of judgment. The second cup that they drink, I will free you from being slaves. And they would drink this cup in remembrance of that. The third cup that they drink, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arms and with mighty acts of judgment. This is the cup of redemption. The promise with that is, I will redeem you. And then the fourth cup, I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. The fourth cup is the cup of completion. And they would drink this, I will take you as my own people. That is the promise that was associated with this. Now, this covenant that God made with the Israelites was made through Moses. He gave that word to Moses to tell them this was the covenant that was made. These four promises that they remember every time that they take Passover, every time that they drink the cup of wine during Passover, which happens every year, just like we've been studying, right? They remember these promises that were made to them. And it brings up images, it brings up memories, it brings up stories of the deliverance that they had as a people out of Egypt. That was God's promise to them. Now lastly, let's look at the covenant that God made with David. Turn to 2 Samuel 7. Let's start in verse 8. Now then... Tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture and from following the flock to be ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great. This begins the promise that he makes with David. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men of the earth. And I will provide a place for my people and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore, as they did at the beginning, and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you, 
that he himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and, you're, and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, who will come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with the rod of men, with floggings inflicted by men. But my love will never be taken away from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. This is the covenant that God made with David. So now we've seen a covenant made with Adam. We've seen a covenant made with Noah. We've seen a covenant made with Abraham, with Moses, and with David. We also saw one made with the Israelites. Now what I found was interesting is that when we go and read the story of Jesus performing the Passover, right? Several thousand years after Israel has been delivered from Egypt, there is a cup that Jesus does not drink from in his remembrance of this. Turn with me to Luke 22. back through the four promises that God made to Moses for the Israelites, those four promises have all been fulfilled. God brought them out of Egypt. He delivered them from the hand of the the Egyptians. He delivered them from the plagues. He redeemed them as a people out of Egypt and brought them to Israel where they lived and they were his people and he was their God. Those promises have been fulfilled. All four of them. There was nothing left undone. There was nothing left that still needed to be fulfilled. In fact, when you look at God's covenant with Noah, He made the covenant with with Him that He would never destroy the earth. Fulfilled. God has not destroyed the earth. Since then, that covenant stands fulfilled every day that the earth is not destroyed. And the promise of that, the sign of that, is the rainbow. The covenant that He made with Abraham, that He would give him descendants as numerous as the sands on the seashore. Fulfilled. There were, there were two million people that came out of Egypt from Abraham who didn't have a son. And they all came from him and acknowledged him as their father. As numerous as the sands on the seashore, done, fulfilled. And God has blessed Abraham and blessed all nations on earth because of Abraham and the descendants of Abraham. The promise that he made to David that he would give him a son who would build his kingdom who would build his palace and give him rest on every side from all his enemies. We can read that that's what happened with Solomon, David's son. That has been fulfilled as well. These covenants all get fulfilled. Noah's covenant, fulfilled. Abraham's covenant, fulfilled. Israelites, fulfilled. David, fulfilled. What one covenant has not come to fulfillment that we read about? Adam. The covenant that he made with Adam, that he would rule over the earth, has not been fulfilled. You guys are in Luke 22? Verse 13. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them, so they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine 
until the kingdom of God goes or comes? Comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with, is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. Turn left a couple of books to Matthew, Matthew 26. Verse 17. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him, The teacher says, My appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, Surely not I, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. Jesus answered, Yes, it is you. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day, when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. <clears throat> the fourth cup, the cup that Jesus did not drink, was the cup of completion. The cup that had to do with the promise of completion. That he will take these people to be his people and he will be their God. Now, if these things had already been fulfilled, why wouldn't Jesus drink of that cup? If they were his people, the Israelites, and he was their God, then why wouldn't he drink of this cup? These, this promise had been fulfilled. So what was Jesus saying and not drinking that fourth cup? What was Jesus doing? Why would he do that if that promise had already been fulfilled? There'd be no reason for him to be, for it to be a sign of things to come. He says to them that it's a new covenant that he established with them, right? Let's look a little bit more into that. 1 Corinthians 11. We're almost done here. After Romans. Verse 23. <clears throat> For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This practice of drinking this cup, the third cup, which is what we're drinking today, which is what we're taking part in today, the practice of doing that is for us to remember that he's coming again. 
for us to remember that fourth cup which we will all drink together in the, in, in the kingdom of God at the wedding feast. When we are all together, we will drink of that cup together and He will drink it with us, that fourth cup, the cup of completion. But this third cup which we drink, that the cup that signifies redemption, the cup that signifies the redeeming power of Christ's blood, the new covenant that was made on behalf of all who would accept the sacrifice. Those who would accept what Jesus had done, His redemption, this we would do in remembrance of Him. When we drink this cup, when we partake of the cup and the bread today, we are remembering Passover. Anytime that we do this, it is, it's the same act that Jesus was saying, do this in remembrance of me, that night they celebrated the Passover. And when he said, do this in remembrance of me, it was talking about that third cup. Remember, when you drink this, the redemption. And those who accept this, those who partake of this, it is accepting the sacrifice that he made. The sacrifice that he made to redeem us as his people, not just the Israelites. In the same way that when God, when Jesus was talking about the woman who poured out the alabaster box of perfume, the alabaster jar of perfume, broke it, the expensive perfume, and then washed his feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. And he said, wherever stories are told, this woman's story will be told and, the thing, and, and what she has done. He knew that the things that they were doing, the things that were being done would be written about. He knew that. And in the same way, and this is what rocks my world, it's like when he's sitting there at that table and he's talking with them, and they're thinking everything in terms of Israel, everything in terms of deliver us, Israel, deliver God's people, Israel, in that moment, the picture of what he was about to do and the scale and the enormity of the sacrifice that he was about to make and the difference that it would play in the entire story of God fulfilling his covenant with Adam, that picture right then and there, and he stopped. I'm not going to drink this again until the covenant that I've made with Adam has been fulfilled. Until the covenant that I've made with all mankind has been fulfilled and we are sitting at the wedding banquet and we drink it together. Because I am a God who fulfills my covenants. We see this over and over and over again. But Jesus stops here and he paints a picture for us. Every time we partake in this, every time that we take communion together, we're not only remembering Passover and the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross, we are taking it all in. And we are recognizing that this is significant because the next cup that I will drink with Jesus on that day will be a symbol, will be the real thing. It won't be a symbol anymore. It will be the real thing. It will be the, the fulfillment of the covenant realized, actualized. We will be with Jesus and we will be, just like we read in Revelation, ruling and reigning with God on the earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man. I want to read this next part before we take communion together, and then we're going to do some worship. So there, there are implications when we take communion together. It means something. It's significant. Right? Paul lays it out for us in verse 27. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. 
A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. Does it make sense why this is significant now? Does it make sense why we are contemplative, why we think, why we contemplate ourselves and our state before we partake in the drink? Does that make sense now? Because to me, for the longest time, it was like, you better not do it if you're not right with God. And it didn't make sense. But it does now. When we do this, when we're partaking of the bread, when we're partaking of the cup, we are acknowledging that it means something. That it is a picture of the redemption of Jesus. And we are partaking in the redemption of Jesus. Right? We are sharing in the sacrifice that he made in remembering not only the sacrifice that he made and the power of the new covenant which is made possible by his blood. Because of the shedding of his blood, now this new covenant in the same way that he made a covenant with Adam, with Noah, with Abraham, with the Israelites, with the David, he then made a covenant with new believers, with people who would receive the sacrifice. This is the new covenant, the blood that is shed. What was that a symbol? What was the blood a symbol of? That's the symbol of the promised Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that would dwell within us so that we could have a relationship with God. So that we could hear from Him. So that we could receive the sacrifice of Jesus and the power that would come from that. The redemption that would come from that. The resurrection power that would live in us because of that. That blood was a symbol of the new covenant. And when we drink of this and we partake of this bread... And we are remembering that. We are acknowledging that. And that has power. Why? Is it that this drink or this bread has any power? No. No. That's not, this, this stuff is not what has power. When you eat it, it's not going to literally turn into the body of Christ or the blood of Jesus. But what it is, is it is an acknowledgement of something that has happened on the inside. I have recognized, I have taken inventory, I've examined myself. And I choose to acknowledge that in me partaking in this, in me participating in this, that I agree with, I believe in the power of the blood of Jesus. And I believe in what he did and its power to save me and to prepare me for that fourth cup. To prepare me for that time when I will fulfill the covenant that God made with Adam several thousand years ago. So what we're going to do, I'm going to take this very similar to what they would have done. And they break it out as the middle piece. And you guys, look, this is interesting. This is matzah bread. This is unleavened bread. Bread without leaven. This is what they would have used. <coughs> it's interesting that they use matzah bread. You look at the stripes that are on it and the piercings that are in it and the holes. And we read Isaiah. He was bruised. Right? His stripes brought us healing. Right? He was pierced for our transgressions. It's just interesting that they use this bread. And that he says, this bread is my body, broken for you. So, what we're going to do is as you come up, break a piece off of this bread. There's wine here, and there's grape juice. And um, today, the way that we're going to do it is just dip a small piece in and then take it. And we're going to be able to do it at, at your own time, at your own pace. Gabe and Debbie are going to lead us in worship. And so when you're ready, you can walk up and partake in it. 
And um, just let this time be a time of reflection. Just let it be a time of thinking about the things that we've studied. Guys, this, this teaching focus has changed my life. It's, it's, it's helped me to understand a lot more about God and about the weightiness of when He makes a promise, He delivers. He does what He says He'll do. And uh, that is so ingrained in me now that when He tells me to do something, I can trust that even if it doesn't make sense at all, He will carry it through to fulfillment. So as you're ready, as you feel led, feel free to come up. Feel free to get comfortable, move around, and just let the, you know, let the Spirit move you and, and lead you. And so we're going to take our time.